Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm your host, Sharnell Lennox. And joining me today via phone is my very first Patreon co-host. And this is Katie. Welcome, Katie. Hello. Would you like to introduce yourself to the people, please? Yes, I'm so excited to be here. And I'm so, well, obviously, I'm so super sad about Miss Amber. Um, When I heard the news, my husband called me and I I answered the phone. And this is how I answered it. I said, Oh, my God, Amber just broke up with us. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, Okay. And I'm like, course I have to give a shout out to Amber. Hey, yes, Amber. Yes. Yeah, I am from Nebraska. I live in a it's technically a village and there's like 70 people but it's I don't even think there's 70 of us so that's I think the sign needs to change. But um <laughs> yeah, there's just like a handful of people and so yeah, I came up to the park cuz nobody's ever at the park and I thought that if I was at my house, I would get distracted. So I'm like, I got to go somewhere where I don't like feel like I need to do things because mm-hmm. you know, when you listen to a podcast, I'm constantly multitasking. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I was like nervous yesterday when you asked me, I was like, am I going to be able to focus? Because usually I am totally multitasking and that's how I focus better on the task at hand. But am I going to be able to sit here and like focus on just your voice? So yeah. I'm like, okay, Katie, get to <laughs> a place where you know you won't have any tasks. Yeah, I walked up to the little park and just from the little park, I can see my house. And I own a dog grooming business here in town. Oh, awesome. And so, yes. Yeah, I just am my own boss. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, you're all you're from a yeah. real village. I love this. A, it's just a little village. Yeah, right? But I didn't grow up here. I'm from a bigger city. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. But okay. I moved down here. I had too many dogs in Omaha. And so I'm like, well, I'm not getting rid of my dogs. I'll, I guess I'll move I'm to to get rid of Omaha. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't need you, big city. You right. need me or my dog. I'm out of here. So, I yeah. love this. Yes. Yeah. So now we have like an abundance of animals and we just got ducks. Like, did we really need ducks? No, but we got them because why not? Absolutely, so because they're ducks. ducks. Awesome. Yes, and, You're and practically know, a farmer. Super- Oh my God, don't even say it. I know because my husband wants goats now too. And I'm like, yeah, but now I have to take care of goats. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. That's how it starts. um, Ducks are like the gateway animal, just so you know. Oh my God. And then it's going to be chickens and goats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I know you're like totally into friends. So am I. And I, right away, I got these ducks and I was like, oh my God, two of them need to be Chandler and Joey. (laughs) I love this. That is I genius. Know, right? I don't know I why know. I didn't think to name my girls. I named them Maggie and Molly, my dogs. They should have been so Monica cute. and Rachel. Oh, Right? Well, I have a cat named Monica, but it was according to the show Shameless. Oh, yes, yes. Now, 
now since you know I haven't watched Shameless much, I'm like, oh, Monica, yeah, for sure, Monica <laughs> Geller fits in, right? Fits in with the friends. That's amazing. Whatever. Well, thank you so much for sharing some information about yourself. I hope that you really enjoy being my co-host for the day. I have my my lucky kangaroo scrotum that I am rubbing for good (laughs) luck for us. It's still empty, but the right crystals are going to find me. I'm confident. And this is actually um, going to be a case for the regular public. So, like, all the listeners are going to hear this, not just the Patreons. Fancy, fancy. Yes. I've got my Red Bull in hand and I'm ready. Okay, perfect. We are going to jump in with um, a case that I really don't know that a lot of people are going to know about. I literally stumbled upon it when I was looking up some information. I'm working right now on another long two-parter. And there were some things Mm -hmm. that I needed to like look up and somehow I ended up on this case and couldn't stop reading about it. So I'm like, you know what? This is going to be a perfect snack while I, um, while I work on that long two-parter for, for long deep dives. I always need just a little bit of a break here and there and to research something else because you can just get so um, worn out on it. So yeah, for sure. So for this, this yeah, is... I don't know how you do it to be <laughs> honest. Cause I would just like stay up way too much and just read and read and read. Yeah, yeah I, I guys... do. I do have to cut myself off sometimes, but I also mm-hmm. read like three or four or listen to three or four books at the same time. And just like, but that's how I break it up and give myself a break <laughs> and, and keep, I have my little notebooks and I keep all my notes separately, but today is about our perpetrator's name, Margaret Allen. Okay, but it's, yes, so this is all the way back in the 1940s when this happened, and it's just a very, very unusual case. I think people are going to find it um, really interesting for the time, especially given Mm -hmm. what's going on like in our world today, but Mm -hmm. to start with some background info, Margaret was born in 1906 in Rottenstall, England. And this is freaking crazy. She was number 20 of 22 children to her parents. Oh my God, that poor mom. I know. Her mother spit out 22 children. (laughs) And in 1906, for that, like, for her to live through that many births, I was just gonna say, yeah, amazing. I was literally just thinking that. Now I don't know if all of the children survived or not. I couldn't find right. that information, and I actually couldn't find their names. So we're just gonna call them Fertile Myrtle Bunny Humps because I <laughs> yeah. don't really even know what their their names were never mentioned anywhere, and. I, that just was shocking to me of how large of a family that they had for this time frame. Yeah. Um, so Margaret was not able to finish school. Um, she had an elementary education, which, you know, pretty normal again for the early 1900s. And I would imagine probably had to start working at a very young age to help make ends meet with all of those children. Of course, she was number 20. So I would imagine a yeah. lot of them were out of the house by the time she was really working age. But the thing is, is that Margaret really struggled to fit in. And that is because she preferred to wear boys' clothing. Oh, okay. Yep. She preferred to keep her hair short. Um, She wanted to keep her dresses in the closet. She wanted to only wear 
you know, boys' trousers, things like that. Mm -hmm. But she also preferred to do what was considered at the time men's work. So heavy labor, things like that. She found women's tedious, um, you know, chores around the house and learning how to cook and sew and all those things. That anything that was classified as woman's work to her Mm -hmm. was she she wasn't for it. She was not having that. And me and Margaret are like one in the same. (laughs) Like for sure, she's just like no. I'm gonna wear these pants. I look yeah. I don't know. I look like a. I don't know. I don't oh. like slumming it all the time, girl. I love, Margaret, I know. I love yeah. our, our dog groomer, but bless her heart, she's always like, I know I always look like a mess, but this isn't really what I look like. I'm like, girl, if I was grooming dogs all day, I wouldn't be wearing makeup and regular clothes either. Like, come on. Literally, every time you do it, you get the one dog that's a spaz in the tub and mm-hmm. ruins your face to your hair right away. Of course. And you're like, why? Why right. do I even why, do it? Right. Yeah. Total waste of time. Yeah, so absolutely. the other thing is that Margaret was not close with any of her siblings. And it is thought that be, more than likely it's because they really didn't know how to handle her life choices. Because now when in, in Margaret's early 20s is basically when mm-hmm. she had enough gumption to say fuck it to society's norms. And right. at this point in time, she cut her hair really short into like a traditional men's slicked back cut that was common oh, for mm-hmm. men at the time. And she wore only men's clothing. But even though it took her until she was in her early 20s to make this move, you know, long mm-hmm. before that, she had preferred to play with boys, to be in boys clothes. And her siblings were said to have a hard time understanding all of that and adjusting to it. So I think she was a little bit of the black sheep of the family. But then she decided once she made the move to slick back her hair and cut it all off and only wear men's clothing, she also changed her name to Bill. She didn't do this legally. She just told everybody. And that's in her 20s. Yes. Yep. I am Bill. And okay, so it's we're now in to the 1920s. This obviously was not well received. I mean, it's barely yeah. well received today. I know. So, right? you know, I mean, I can't imagine how difficult this was for her. She was also said to be in a romantic relationship with another woman, and the only reason that this was said is because literally Like all history can find is that she had one friend and this one friend was a female named Annie Cook, but Mm -hmm. records show that Annie and Margaret had actually checked into a boarding house once as Mr. and Mrs. Allen. And yeah, and no one knew the difference because, and I will post pictures, Margaret's pictures as Bill, she was a very dapper man like she pulled this off so well and my heart like looking at pictures of her I know she's our perpetrator here but at this point in time in the story and looking at pictures of her my heart Mm -hmm. really breaks for her because I can't imagine I would never pretend to be in a situation like that I don't know what it's like to feel to be a woman and feel 
like I'm a man trapped in a woman's body, you know, I, Mm -hmm. and at this day and age, I mean, it would be hard today because society still has a long way to go in terms of acceptance. And back then it was absolutely unheard of. So a lot of the material that I found about her said that, you know, in today's world, she would have been considered transgender, Um, And actually, a lot of them said that, you know, they think that her life would have likely been easier. But I kind of disagree with that. I think, like I said before, society has a long way to go before anything is easy for someone who identifies as transgender. So the reason that they say that is because in 1935... She had Mm -hmm. a very brief stay in St. Mary's Hospital in Manchester. And when she Mm -hmm. left that hospital, she told people that she had a sex change operation and was now a man. So, yes. Now, I mean, at that time, were they even doing things like that? No, this, you know, for people to be like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I did look that up. I'm glad that you asked that because. It is extremely unlikely that she actually had that operation because this type of surgery was still in its infancy in the 1930s. And the female to male sex reassignment surgery was actually extremely rare and very difficult to perform. And there was a lot of unsuccessful at this point in time, surgeries being done. So even if it had been done, it was pretty unlikely that she would have even survived. Um, and okay. quite frankly, those they're very complicated to perform today. So right. for her to have just been there for a couple of days, no, she she and didn't. Get a but huge procedure like that, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 1935, yeah. So I yeah. I think that it was just her way of trying to get people to, you know, drop the subject of her being a, a female. At this point in time and saying like, listen, you're going to call me Bill and this Mm -hmm. is who I am now. So honestly, right. Honestly, from this point in time, I am going to refer to Margaret as Bill, not out of respect for her as a a murderer. okay, but out of respect for the community that she would have been a part of today. And so I just want people to know, like, don't at me about, oh, you're giving a murderer what they wanted. No, that's not not what I'm all about here. Save your reviews mm-hmm. for a different podcast. But um, but I just think that it's important that we recognize, you know, at this point in time after she said that she wanted to have that operation, now she's Bill. She is identifies as a man and she's a man. So that's how I'm going to proceed just so everybody knows from this point forward. Now, Bill had never married and often worked really grueling jobs his entire life. Um, Things like this was kind of funny to me because they're like, oh, really grueling jobs such as working in the mills and at the postal service. (laughs) I just really get you. Right. I just I found that to be so funny. I'm like, oh, yeah, postal service. That's a shit job. Like, all right. Also, my dad has been a mill worker like for the last 35 years or something like that. And I mean, it is very much physical labor, but I just it right. just kind of cracks me up that they're like, oh, such grueling jobs. Um, yeah. And there's actually a book that mentions this case, and it was written by Alan Hayhurst. Um, it's called More Lancash- 
Lancashire. Um, I'm not sure if they like to be if it's Shire or Sheer um, for their vernacular. Mm. But anyway, the more more Lancashire murders, and he suggested so Bill was actually a bus conductor for four mm-hmm. years, and the author of the book, Alan Hayhurst, suspected that this was probably the happiest time in his life because female employees were made to wear slacks as part of their uniform. So, yeah, so he could actually, like, be, you know, at his most comfortable. And this is really, four years was one of the longest stretches that he had stayed employed um, because he had some some serious ups and downs with his personality. And eventually, though, he was dismissed from that job for being rude and aggressive towards passengers. So that um, sucks. Bye bye, Bill. No, yeah. no longer a bus uh, conductor, which is a well, very fancy way I to mean, say bus driver. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I'd be super nice to everybody on the bus either. For sure. Like if whatever. being rude and aggressive is what gets you fired, I'm tell- I'm here to tell you that every one of the school bus drivers I know have had to be that way because kids are assholes. So it's like, yeah, you know, right? the public like, were probably being dicks. Like, yeah, like, right. They but probably had it coming. Um, through you, Bill. Right. <laughs> but by 1948, both of Bill's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Bunny Humps, were gone. <laughs> they were both gone. And at this point in time, he is estranged from all of his many siblings. Gone as in passed away? They had. Yep, they had passed just, away. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And so it, I found a bunch of information that said that as of night, January 1948, Bill had not worked. Like he stopped working in that time due to mm-hmm. like being, it just kept saying ill health, but I couldn't figure out what ill health meant. And I suspect that it was probably depression. Um, I was gonna say like mental health. Yeah, I I am yeah. thinking so because I couldn't find anything that indicated he had a physical health, you know, problem. Right. Um, but he think he had a lifelong. At this point in time, he's forty one years old, has had an okay. entire like lifespan of not being accepted, not being able to be who he really wanted to be. And mm-hmm. we will find out later that he did suffer from depression as part of going through menopause. So, okay, gotcha. yeah, yep. So here he is living on 11, 11, no, 11 shillings a week in welfare and mm. 26 shillings a week in national health sick pay, which was not a lot at all. Um, he was behind on rent and his landlord had been threatening eviction. So he hadn't been able to pay his electricity or his coal bills as they were called. I mean, we would call them gas bills. Um, he was behind by like two years. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. And in 1946, we can see that he had several like court judgments pending against him because of how far in debt he was. And I did figure out like the converter here so he was said to be 46 euros in debt which for us would have been like 54 us dollars but into Uh like in 1948 54 us dollars would have been like 1229 today Mm -hmm. so it doesn't seem like that high of a cost but when you aren't making each month 
anywhere near that amount, he had no, like, there's no realistic hope that he could ever pay it off. So he knows, like, like 30 shillings a week. Yes. What is it, like 30-something a week? Yeah, 11 shillings in welfare and 26 in national health sick pay. So, yeah, yeah, he's not making, he's never going to make enough to be able to keep food in his stomach and then, you know, the electricity on, heat uh, heat the place and pay his rent at the same time. Right, yeah. Um, So, and on top of everything else, this is when he was said to be going through menopause. Now, 41 seemed extremely early, even for 1948 for me, but I don't Mm -hmm. know, perhaps there were some other physical illnesses that were in, you know, having that happen. Like for all we know, there were problems with, you know, the ovaries or uterus, something like that. And so that was maybe bringing on an early onset of menopause. Right. Yeah. Or even like your thyroid, I think can contribute to that. Yeah. Right. Yep. Very. Yes. Yes, it can. So. So I do know that he suffered from frequent headaches, dizzy spells, depression as a result of a culmination of all of this, of course, but um, especially like the early, you know, the, the onset of menopause, which I'm sure was more of a struggle for someone who doesn't even, you know, whose body is doing this and they don't even feel like a woman, you know? So Yeah, right. And then now you're like, yeah, you've set your mind up to think that you're male for so long and then all of a sudden your body's going through a different change mm-hmm. that you totally probably forgot about because you don't identify that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be really hard to understand. Yes. Yep. And there's no yeah. resources. I will say this, at least today, people that feel like they're struggling can can access resources there was nothing Mm -hmm. for bill you know and actually at this point in time his one and only friend annie cook was really worried about him he said that um, annie was saying that bill was smoking way too much was not eating properly of course part of that is the poverty i'm sure and at this point in time she is like begging bill to pull himself together and you know, get his life back on track, essentially. Right. But let's see. In spite of all of his efforts, and this did not help either, Bill, even though he was trying very hard to look like a man, he still didn't really look like a man to the local townspeople. Now, I will say hard. that when you see him, pictures of him um, in his really cute hat, like, He is adorable and dapper looking, but has like the round softness of a feminine touch, you know. And so I I think it was even harder for people because this is a small town and they knew that Bill was born a woman. So they just couldn't see him as a, a man. And he was the subject of a lot of curiosity, a lot of gossip in the small town of Rottenstall for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, if nobody has really kind of done anything like that. Yeah. No, right. Now, at this time, I'm going to enter our the vict- unfortunate victim. Um, our victim in this case is 68-year-old Nancy Ellen Chadwick. Now, Nancy was a neighbor to Bill. And oh, gosh. Yes, yeah. Nancy Bill? was a housekeeper 
to one Mr. Whitaker. And Mr. Whitaker had lived on Hardman Avenue. So this was about a half a mile from Bill's home. So Nancy and Bill, because they were like neighbors, and then she had to walk by Bill's house to get to her place of employment since she was Mr. Whitaker's housekeeper. They first met through just like happenstance, okay, in town. And then they saw each other again about a week later on the street corner of the center of town. And making casual conversation, Nancy mentions to Bill that she's out of sugar. And Bill's like, you know what? I actually have some. If you need a cup, you can have, you. I will let you borrow a cup. Now, this isn't like today's standards. I literally, like two weeks ago, let my elderly neighbor borrow a cup of sugar. And she actually brought me a little Ziploc bag trying to return it. When she got herself some more sugar, I was like, please don't return a cup of sugar. Like, it's totally okay. You can ask me for anything. Yeah, yeah, no. But back in this. My neighbor's always so sweet, and she's like, what do I owe you? I'm like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, literally, we don't cook. Can you please just keep it? Yeah. (laughs) You're doing us a favor. We don't need that spice. We yeah. have three of those. Like, it's fine. <laughs> it will be fine. It is sweet that people just want to, you know, feel like they're know, not right? taking advantage, you know? So she's like, well, yeah, I just... Yeah, absolutely. She said, I brought it back because I want to be able to ask for, you know, favors in the future. I'm like, seriously, you can ask us anything. It will be okay. But right. at this point in time, this was extremely generous because Britain was actually still really struggling from post-war rationing. And Mm -hmm. sugar was very rare and very precious. So for Bill to offer Nancy a cup full of sugar was actually like a very generous offer. Okay. And so they kind of make friends, okay? And Bill had visited Nancy's home a a few times after that. Now, each time he actually didn't bring the sugar that he had promised, but they were just casually building, you know, a friendship. It is said that... He visited her again at 8.30 a.m. on Saturday, August 21st, 1948, and told her that he would have sugar on Monday the next day for Nancy. He was getting some, and he'll he'll bring it over. Now, in the... Mm-hmm. In the book that um, Hayhurst had wrote, he said that at this point in time, Nancy Chadwick was getting more and more curious about the little woman in men's clothing, end quote. So at 9.30 that same morning, Saturday, August 21st, whether it was by accident or by Nancy's design, Nancy Mm -hmm. actually stopped by Bill's cottage at 137 Beacup Road in Rottenstall, okay? So Mm -hmm. she asks Bill, you know what? I haven't seen inside your house. I'd like to come in. And in the book, Hayhurst described this, this encounter as, and I quote, I'm afraid, this is what Bill had said, okay? I'm afraid I haven't got time, Nancy. You can see inside another time. But he found himself being pushed back into like the, um, parlor of the home as Nancy Uh Chadwick like made a determined effort to gain entrance. She's kind of being a pushy broad in other words. Oh Nancy you shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. Right. Now Bill still was still protesting Mm -hmm. 
I do love that there's a train going by in the park right now. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I tune it out. Yes. That's all right. We are very raw here. We're very raw here on Crime Curious. It's okay. so funny. I removed myself from the home so you couldn't hear my cats and dogs. But here I'm like, don't forget about that train. And then there's the train going through. I totally forgot. That's all right. We're very, it's very American. Very American going on right here. I didn't even realize until you said that. Oh, that's funny. funny. (laughs) So here Bill is protesting, right? And, but Nancy now, like as described in the book, the book, the book, Nancy now had the bit between her teeth and she was shutting the door behind her, making for the living room, end quote. So like Nancy did bully her way in. She had had some casual intrusion, very good word, because that's exactly how it felt for Bill. He was being intruded upon in his space and he knew like they had casual at this point in time encounters. And so, and he knows about the stuff that's being said about him throughout town. So he knows that this 68 year old woman is being curious about the fact that she, or that he is a man in, in, or a woman, excuse me, in men's clothing and just trying to be nosy about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this in itself is a, a situation that is a recipe for disaster. We know that he (laughs) is struggling with depression and all of those things that come, mood swings, things like that. So, I mean, it just, when I read that, I was like, oh shit, Nancy, this is not going to be good, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that at all. I'd be like, Excuse me. No, I yeah. wouldn't even say excuse me, ma'am. I'd be like, uh. Oh, no. In no, today's world, we'd be like, bitch, that? please get off my porch. Like, it's yeah, not. Yeah. Right? It's not happening. Yeah. yeah. I don't like this. I don't like this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at around 4 a.m. the next day, a bus driver mm-hmm. that was traveling along Bay Cup Road stopped when he saw in his headlights what looked to be a bundle of rags like laying in the road. And so I know it's never a mannequin, guys. It's never a mannequin or a rug or just a bundle of rags. Like, I like how he's just like, oh, a bundle of rags. I think I'll stop and take a closer look. And so he does. And he realizes it's a woman's body. Good on him. Also, raise your hand if you're seeing something in the road that looks like a bundle of rags and stopping. Because honestly, I'm just skirting by. Like, yeah, I'm swerving. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, I'm not oh. going to intentionally run something over because you just never no. know, but I'm definitely not stopping. I, I no. don't think I'm, I know this is called crime curious, but it turns out I'm not that curious. I don't want to know if I'm about to stumble across a dead body. Like, yeah, no kidding. So one time my friend and I, we had driven out to the country We'd taken the dirt road, and there was, like, a bag of clothing, and there were shoes, and it was, like, strewn about, Mm -mm. and we passed it, and then on the way back, he's like, should I take a picture in case this is needed for evidence later? And I was like, that is brilliant. (laughs) Yes, yes, you should. Absolutely. I was like, I'm here for that. However, I'm not getting out and like rummaging through the uh-uh. things or like uh-uh. seeing. I'm no, not putting my fingerprints on any of that. 
get to going. Yeah, 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 yeah right? <clears throat> the bus driver calls the police, all that stuff. A doctor arrives. When the doctor comes, I couldn't find his name, but he came and he had made the determination that this woman who, spoiler alert, is Nancy, um, uh, had been dead for at least 10 hours. So oh, okay. it was 4 a.m. when she was found. So, you know, backtracking from uh, 10 a.m. As the investigators are starting to interview people, two witnesses actually came forward and said, you know what? We were walking home in the early morning and we had walked mm-hmm. right past that spot at 3.45 a.m. And there was not a body there. So they were able to pin this between 3.45 and 4 a.m. So it is like really lucky that bus driver happened to come across her probably as she was being drugged across the road. Like, I don't oh know. God. I'm not certain. I that, just got chills. Yeah. Because I'm not certain that Bill had intended on just leaving her in the middle of the road like that. I suspect that if these people were walking home at 3.45 a.m., he mm-hmm. heard them and then just stopped and, in, in, or excuse me, no, he heard the bus coming. Right. Because those people had, you know, came forward and said at 3.45 a.m. we walked right by that spot. There was nobody in the road. So, like, that was, I think, the bus driver actually scared them off. And we'll get to why I think that in a few minutes because how they find him is pretty easy. And, like, wow, really? But Girl, that just, like, turned my stomach. I know. (laughs) I know. Just, like, leaving a 68-year-old woman in the middle oh of the God. road. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and, yeah, when you're, like, in the midst of dragging, and I'm like, oh, my God, no. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That poor bus driver that's just drive, yeah. doing his route at 4 a.m., you know? Right. So Okay. Yeah. Nancy Chadwick's nephew actually had to be the mm-hmm. one to identify her body, and mm-hmm. um, in the book, Hayhurst reco- said, Dr. Bailey found that the vault of the skull was fractured in several directions over almost the whole of the skull. And there were, yeah, there were seven incised wounds to the head, each just over an inch long. And Mm -hmm. the cause of death was shock produced by multiple fractures to the skull and hemorrhaging of the scalp wounds. So it was very apparent that Nancy Chadwick had suffered a frenzied attack with a heavy uh-huh. metal implement. Yes. Golly. So they're thinking, police are thinking at this time, an obvious motive for the murder was robbery, robbery because okay. it was common gossip in the town that Mrs. Chadwick had lots of money. And okay. she was ex- was suspected of carrying it around on her quite often. So the police search nearby for evidence, but they don't like they didn't find the murder weapon at all. But they did find Nancy Chadwick's handbag, and inside okay. her handbag were some sewing materials. Scissors. Oh my gosh, so 1948. I love this too. 
She had a pack of playing cards because you just don't know when you got to whip out a game of bridge or poker or something. I Who love that. you're running into to play some yep. cards with. Nancy Chadwick <laughs> is carrying sewing materials, scissors, and a pack of playing cards. But what was missing mm-hmm. from her purse is money. There was no money at okay. all. So then they start to investigate like house to house on Bay Cup Road, interviewing all the residences because this is why I think he was interrupted. There was a large drag mark literally leading from number 137 Cottage, which remember that's where Mm -hmm. I said that Bill lived, to where the body was found. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I, he's just dragging her body. And I think that when he had, I am assuming that whenever he got to where he was intending to take her, he probably Mm -hmm. was going to try to then clean up his, his mess and his drag marks, but he had no time because that bus came right when he's crossing the road and he just dropped her panic and left. That makes sense now. Yeah. Yep. So obviously they're like, interesting. Let's pay a little bit of attention here to Bill Allen, um, who lives at 137 Cottage. And they Mm -hmm. didn't actually right away look into his background. But if they had, they would have known right there they've got a motive because Bill had all those significant financial problems I was telling you about. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so they didn't. Sorry, let me say that 10 more times. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, right. Well, Golly. I do that, too. Sometimes I'm like, there's there's the reaction, and then there's the, oh, my gosh, wait, that just dawned on me, and I so, now I really understand what you're saying. Yeah, I do that all the time. For sure. I'm like, let me just say, oh, yeah, right, in 10 different tones here. Hang on. Let me go circle back around. That's okay. Yes. That's okay. <laughs> That's so funny. So, at first. First, when they first look into Bill Allen, they don't find anything Mm -hmm. like suspicious inside his house. And he was taken to the police station. He gave a a statement. He did admit that he knew Nancy. Um, And he Mm -hmm. actually had said, I even saw her on the day that she died. But he said, I actually refused to let her in. She tried to, to come into my house. I didn't have the sugar for her and I didn't let her in. He said that Nancy had left. And that this was the last time that he saw her alive. But there was something in the in his demeanor that made the, poli- the police, you know, very suspicious of him. Not to mention they have those drag marks. So, yeah, right? I mean, that's like as good as a smoking gun practically. But, you know, he's saying, yeah, she was at my, like he's confirming she was at my house that day, but I didn't let her in. Well, that's weird because there are literal drag marks from your front steps to where her body lay. So yeah, all the way across that area. Yeah. Yep. So they decide to take a, a closer look the next day. Okay, and this Mm -hmm. time they take Bill back to the station to give to have a second statement done, which his second statement was very, very close to the first one. There were not a lot of remarkable differences, Um, but they were able to search his home more thoroughly at this point in time. And they turned up large bloodstains back in his what they described as a coal house. So I'm assuming like Mm -hmm. for us, that would be like where we like a woodshed where we would keep wood right. for um, wood burning stoves and whatnot. So they kept coal for their coal burners. Mm-hmm. 
Now, they found that and then ask, they come back to Bill and are like, okay, let's talk about something. There is some significant blood stains in your coal house. Can you, can you explain this? And Bill just quietly says, I'll tell you all about it. The other statements that I gave you were wrong. So back, they're at the police station and Bill makes a confession and this is three days after the murder and he's arrested. And this is what his confession said. And this is also from the book written by okay. Hayhurst. It says, quote, as I was saying, I was coming out of the house on Saturday, on Saturday last, about 20 past nine in the morning when Mrs. Chadwick came around the corner. She asked if this is where I lived and could she come in? I told her I was going out. I was in a funny mood and she seemed to get on my nerves Although she hadn't said anything, I said I would have to go as I was going out and could see and she could see me sometime else, but she seemed somehow to insist on coming in. I just looked around and saw a hammer in the kitchen. This time we were talking just inside the kitchen with the front door closed. On the spur of the moment, I hit her with the hammer. She gave a shout that seemed to start me off more. I hit her a few times, but I don't know how many. I then pulled the body into my coal house. I've told you where I was all day. That part is true, and true that I went to bed at 10 to 11. When I woke, the thought of what was downstairs made kept me awake. I went downstairs, but couldn't tell the time as all the clocks are broke. There were no lights in the road, and I couldn't hear any footsteps. My intention was to pull her into the river and dispose of the body, but she was too heavy, and I just put the body in the road. Later, I heard the noise outside and knew they had found her. I looked out of the window and saw the bus. Then I went back to sleep. Just before I put the body out, I went round the corner and threw the bag into the river. So that was that was meaning her purse. The bag okay, I yeah. yeah the bag I sort of dropped in the hammer head I hit her with. I threw some distance up the river and the handle I used for the fire. I looked in the bag, but there was no money in it. I didn't actually kill her for that. I had one of my funny turns. I had no reason to do it at all. It seemed to come over me. The noise after the first hit seemed to set me off. End quote. So I know he says that, you know, the body got too heavy. And so he just dropped her in the road and then said that he... You know, I went back inside and then I heard the bus, but I just have right. a hard time with like the convenience of that. Like, oh, I just, you know, it was, it was my intention to just leave her right there. I don't know about that, but it's his confession, yeah, I, not I, mine. I, yeah, right. I mean, I feel like I'm not saying I would do this, but I mean, you're going to muster up some strength to get that. Absolutely. Body out of the way. Right? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Because are, yeah. it's, it is our innate instinct to not want to be caught doing something that we know society deems not good. Right. So right. I, I, I do think that adrenaline would have really played a part here in helping him be stronger. Um, right. he, he was described though, to be very petite in stature. So I, I'm, I'm not sure, but it could just be, it was taking him quite some time. And then that mm-hmm. bus came. And so he ran inside, then turned around, saw the bus and was like, okay, yep, they found her, you know, but right. I don't know. Um, 
so and you know the papers everybody refused to call her bill what they actually started deeming her was margaret bill allen that is and they would use bill in um like quotations so her name was being printed Uh. yep as margaret quote bill allen um and he made his first court appearance on september 2nd which also Mm -hmm. happened to be his 42nd birthday so that's not good but you know what it's also not good to have a mental break and beat an old lady in the head either with a hammer and i just looked up his picture also and yes i could see like you know the soft features and all things Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. yeah you look petite yeah yeah i think so too I mean, really pulled off the hat and masculine shirt, though. Like, he's a cutie pie, but yeah, yeah, I know. It's just all so, so unfortunate, and I wonder if the same situation would have happened if, you know, times had been different for for him. His first court appearance, he was, like, able to wear his preferred masculine outfit of navy blue pants, a checkered shirt, a grayish blue, like, pullover sweater, and an okay. overcoat, okay? Um, mm-hmm. At the trial, his defense did not try to pretend that he was innocent. I mean, obviously, the evidence is very overwhelming. He had made a confession. Okay. But the legal aid attorney did point out that Bill had not committed the murder for financial gain and so mm-hmm. asked for the verdict of guilty with, you know, for reasons of insanity. Like there wasn't right. a motive here. It wasn't premeditated. It literally was just a a mental snap. Um, right. What did he say? A funny turn? What did he call it? He said one of, he was in one of his funny moods. One yeah. of his funny moods. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So, I mean, well. I think that this had happened before. <laughs> Remember, he's struggling yeah. with menopause. His friend Annie had been begging him to really get his life in order. Like, obviously, this wasn't the first time he had snapped in a mood. Um, but, yeah, right. But from all accounts, the first time that he had been violent like this. Violent, yeah. So um, one article that I read had pointed out that, you know, had this type of murder happened today, Bill might have been chosen for like a defense of diminished responsibility. So which would have given the jury the option of convicting him of manslaughter rather than murder, Um, which that does make sense. Yep. And really that that defense would have fit this case much better than the insanity plea. But it wasn't available. Diminished responsibility was not available in 1948. So the way way that a jury is looking at this is this is a person who looks like a woman, dresses like a man, prefers to be referred to as Bill instead of the name that's on the docket and all the papers, Margaret. And it's possible that just based on that, they might have thought that Bill was insane and under stress because, but... You know, because people just don't go around bashing granny's heads in with hammers. Um, so. It's, Not generally, no. Yeah, like you don't, like I can, I imagine for this jury, everything was just a little bit confusing. Um, yeah. And the defense did have people testify on Bill's behalf. So they did Mm -hmm. have Annie Cook, his friend. I was wondering. Yeah. I mean, I suspect that they were lovers. 
um, right. for sure. But they're not going to come out as that in 1948, of course. Well, heavens no. Yeah. And she testified, Annie actually testified that Bill, he had what she called, quote, funny turns and headaches as well as one prior suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the prison medical officer who gave Bill a once over, I mean, I'm sure it's not like there was psychological testing done here. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you could see my eye roll. <laughs> right. Right. I heard it. I heard it did over the phone. Over yep. I sure did. I really did. Because oh. the, the prison medical officer had said, you know what? I find no physical signs. Of mental, this is a direct quote, no physical signs of mental disease. Yeah, cool. I don't know anyone who has a physical sign of mental disease. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So, I can't even with that. Yep. So he tells the judge, like, yeah, I'm the medical officer of the prison. He is completely competent to stand trial. There's no medical evidence to support insanity. So yeah. the, at that point in time, even if the jury had wanted to grant that, they they mm-hmm. couldn't because they had this medical professional saying there are no physical signs of a mental disease. Yeah, right. Fucking 1948. My God. Sadly, I feel like somebody would probably say that today also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Good. Yes. The jury only deliberated for 15 minutes. Oh, wow, that you know. Yeah, they really yeah. thought things over, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they did. 15 minutes, the first uh-huh. five were probably trying to decide if they could draw this out to get another lunch out of the court or not, or if they just yeah, wanted right? to be home I before. Was just, I was thinking the first five minutes of who sits where. Yeah, oh, that's like, true. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you sit there. Does everybody, is your pencil sharpened? Okay, right. there's another three oh, minutes. I've got to go to the bathroom. Give me a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. You better hold on for that. Yep. <laughs> so they do convict Margaret Bill <laughs> Allen. And she was sentenced to death. Yeah. So Annie was said to visit her up until the very end. Annie actually sent around a petition to have her pardoned. Now, this was very brave of her because people did not receive this very well. I mean, this person had murdered a 68-year-old innocent woman in the town. This is a small town. So it wasn't well-received. But she did get 112 signatures, which really surprised me. Dang. Yeah, I was going to say, because she's probably getting a lot of backlash and everything for sticking sticking up for Bill. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah, 112. Mm-hmm. Wow. 112. Yeah. I thought that that was a pretty big feat for her. I, I mean, that's more people than in my little village here. Right, so right. exactly. I think she did an outstanding job. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I was really surprised that there were that many people willing to say that, okay, wait, no, we need... It, we need Annie. a second look at this, but in mm-hmm. spite of all of this, Bill was said to have remained calm and cheerful, and Aww. there was actually a letter written by a prison chaplain who later said, quote, she was a woman with plenty of grit, and she faced it as a man would, and I felt the whole thing was beastal and brutal. She was well-prepared and behaved like a man. In fact, she had more guts than most men I have seen. 
end quote. Yeah, because women are badass. Sorry, Bible. Right. Yes. I love how it's, this was like dawning on the good chaplain, like by George, for a woman who wants to be a man, she sure is holding her own like a man. No, she's. She sure is manly. Right. I'm just like, oh, okay. Yes. Guess what? Women who don't identify as men can also be tough as nails. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, good right? good prison chaplain. But it's That's the time. Good you know, it's nineteen forty eight. So yeah. the other thing, this part I just put in because I uh, again, I'm not empathizing with a murderer. The untreated mental illness here is extremely tragic and more than likely the cause for um, mm-hmm. poor Nancy's murder. But Bill wanted to dress in men's clothing at his hanging, but of course the prison, uh, yeah, the prison authorities would not have it, and they gave him uh, a a blue smock and a frock that he had to wear instead. I yes, don't like that. I know. Again, like not see, like it's so it's so hard because the minute that I'm like that, I say. You know, that really sucks for him, but I know he murdered. Know. You know, someone's going to leave a, a one-star review that's like, oh, yeah, right? empathize with a murderer. But there's more. This is convoluted. There's so much more to it than just murder. I mean, there you is. You really gave me a hard one to think about here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so. Because the whole time, I really do feel bad for Bill. Mm-hmm. And. If it is true that, you know, Nancy was, like, pushing her way into the home mm-hmm. and being, like, a, abrasive and, and, you know, a true intruding and stuff, I, I mean, yes, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to grab a hammer. First of all, I'd have right. to, like, dig for a hammer. Right. But, I mean, if one were to be lying there, I'm certainly not going to grab it, but, I mean... No, but I'm definitely going to be, you know, I'm not afraid. Yes. And like if someone is coming into my home that I don't Mm -hmm. want there and I don't know very well and they are legitimately pushing their way in, I'm not afraid to throw bows over that. Like I'm probably going to physically push them away and out of my house, especially because I have children. And so like that protective instinct comes in. But like for, you know, for him, it was holy shit here she is I don't want her invading my space and God only knows what kind of mood like what happened obviously she had mental illness we can and I'm not saying that it's obvious because she was transgender I'm saying this is obvious from what Annie she said herself she was in one of her funny moods you know for all we know she was schizophrenic they didn't have yeah. terminology it for that, Ben. Yeah. And she was in such poverty. It's not like that would have been ever diagnosed. Like, she couldn't access resources. So, you yeah, know. for sure. I mean, I think we're definitely just looking at significant untreated mental illness, coupled with just having to hide who you are your whole life and not having people accept you for who you are. Everyone mm-hmm. has a breaking point. And I think I that. I literally un- can't imagine. No, I think, it, unfortunately, Nancy happened to be the person to push that last button for Bill mm-hmm. at his breaking point, and it's tragic and and awful for her and her family, absolutely, and it was you know, yeah. not right, but at the same time, it's like, shit, it's not right for Bill either, you know? 
No, right? I know it's so hard. It's like who? Uh, uh, obviously, you don't want to like side with a murderer, but it's like fuck, Nancy. Come on, right? What are you doing, dude? Right, right, right. Uh, yes, and Nancy and had no got... way of knowing that no, she was. You know that not. Bill was mentally unstable. I mean, certainly. No. Right? So you, I know it's a hard one. On January twelfth, nineteen forty nine, Margaret Allen was executed by Albert Parapoint at um, the Strange Ways <laughs> Goal. That's what it, I was like. Oh, Strange Ways Goal. Can this get any weirder? And yeah, actually, right? she was the first woman to be hanged there. Um, since oh. 1936. So, I mean, we're talking over a decade later, you know, 13 yeah, right? years later, um, she was, she was the, I guess there was another woman named Charlotte Bryant. Yep. Charlotte uh-huh. Bryant was hanged there in 1936, which I did not research her case because I knew it would take me down a whole nother rabbit hole. So we're going to have to <laughs> save that for another case. But yeah, yeah. look that up when we're done. <clears throat> yep. Um, Annie did inherit Margaret um, Margaret Allen's, excuse me, Margaret Bill Allen's ring and cigarette lighter because those Aww. were that was Bill's wishes. And Aww. yep. And so that's, that's probably like all he had. You know, it's funny that you say that because when I was typing the notes, that's exactly what I thought too. I'm like, I think he literally left his last possessions to Annie. Another reason yeah. why I think that they were probably more than just friends. Or even if they weren't, she could have just very much appreciated the fact that Annie was literally the only person in town that was willing to accept who he was as a person. Yeah, accept and be, like, away going, you know, I mean, like, let's go get signatures. Mm -hmm. Yes, yep, like, tried to free him. Yes. Yep, yep. Now, when you said that they made him wear women's clothing on his last day or Mm -hmm. at his execution, it just totally took me back to the case of um and I how I feel so bad because I'm drawing a blank on the name Amber did it and it was actually in Fall City I can't remember either boys don't cry oh yes I know what you're talking about I can't people are probably shouting the name right now I can't either but we're like 200 cases into this podcast so it's hard for me to remember at the drop of a hat everybody's name um but how the mom still put the given mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, yes. That just ripped my heart out. And yep. really, that's so crazy that I had actually never, like, fully looked into that case because, it's I mean, it's a Nebraska case. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, like, one of those movies, you know, your mom's like, don't watch. Brandon. Yes. 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 Um, yes. Yes. And put, gosh, put the... Oh, that mm-hmm. pisses me off so bad. But me yeah, too. It's like, I will say I this. But the times were so, 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 so different. But if you're, they were. you know, you're still doing that and it's like, what, the 90s or something? Like, yep, it was. It was the early 90s. Yes. Well, and I'll say this at least for the prison. So um, Bill does have a grave. You can find it on like findagrave.com. And it does say, mm-hmm. it says Margaret Bill Allen on it oh, so well, I mean at nice, least it does name. say that name so uh you know so that's that's good but oh gosh and here I am like feeling bad for Bill again god right. damn <laughs> I know uh. it's hard it's it is super yes. hard 
Do you remember the case of the vigilante justice, though, where the townspeople like rose, went with, you know, pitchforks and killed the town's bully? Like, yeah, we, I mean, we really were for the murderers in that point in time. But I'm I'm not for Bill. I'm just saying no. I understand how someone can like. Action, no, no, not at I'm, all. But recognizing but he had a struggle. Time, yeah. Like. Yep. Most TMI. definitely. Well, no, not TMI. I don't care. <laughs> mental illness is like so untalked about. Mother effort. I it is. I struggle with mental illness, and it's just like I don't. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna snap into a funny way, but it's mm-hmm. like who's to say? Like you said, he wasn't schizophrenic. You know, you don't right. know because things like that weren't diagnosed. But it's just so hard. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it. You know, to be identifying as something, you know, somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't, I can't handle just me myself, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody accepts me and my mental illness and all that. But to add that on top of what I feel sometimes, like, yep. I, I can't even imagine. So it's like. Absolutely. Uh, the world. And the thing is, Katie, every single yeah. one of us are mentally ill. We are all on a spectrum somewhere. We all have issues. We are human. There are some to various degrees than others. None, not a single one of us is untouched in this world. That is for sure. No, no. And that's, that's really what we have to recognize i think before Mm -hmm. we start casting judgments but oh god for sure yeah are you ready for a brain bath my dear yes rest in peace nancy i found a brain bath as well because (gasps) i was like okay wait one effing minute here if i don't get a shower you with a speckle of brain bath i'm not doing my job oh my god i love this yes i'm so (laughs) excited you're gonna bathe me yes oh you poured all this shit on me and i'm just gonna splash (laughs) i'm just gonna splash you it's not even like a bath it's like literally a uh like a five sentence article but yes i screenshot it last night so this is literally off of like nebraska.gov so i was cracking up (laughs) laughing i was like really because i just googled like that's like your state's website fyi if it's .gov it is the state's website (laughs) it was so official and it's really funny because the one that i picked is actually from fall city where that case took place that Amber did, and then also not very far from where I'm at right now. So anyway, which I don't, I guess I don't really know the term or how Paris comes into play with this anyway, but okay, so the title is Traded Horse Has Plaster Paris Teeth. So I get, you know, plaster teeth, but I don't know what the difference of the Paris teeth are. Yeah, must be the shape. Yeah, I have Something like that, Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, special to the World Herald, Fall City, Nebraska, June 16th. Deputy Sheriff McFarlane of this city was called to Salem Saturday to look after some horse traders who had been working in that vicinity and who were wanted by the authorities in Nemaha County, Kansas. While at Salem, the men traded a horse for a blind mare and gave the young man $15 boot. The young man returned home thinking he had made a fine deal until he fed corn to his new horse, 
when he discovered that the animal had false teeth made of plaster of Paris, which crumbled away. Oh, my God! Like, would you not be shitting your pants if, like, your animal's teeth just started to just, like, deteriorate and crumble? I would be mortified. I would literally... I would be so scared. And how did it even get a spit in there? Like, doesn't it get wet and crumble? So maybe in the transition of going home, it was, like, getting moisture from the saliva, and then by the time you fed him this corn, it just, like... Also, Crumbled. that poor horse was probably like, what right? the fuck is going on? How did they keep it in its mouth? Like, right? oh, did they I like, unless they it like glued it, like adhere, you know, had it adhere like some way, like dentures in a human. Poly I mean, grip. yeah, exactly. <laughs> grandma's, they stole grandma's polygrip. We didn't even mention her as a victim yet. And, yeah. and glued these fake plaster. <laughs> plastered teeth into this horse's mouth and sold him right oh my god yeah and then the, and then why and, but why you trade a blind horse for a toothless horse like that doesn't even make any fucking sense it doesn't because at You're least not. the toothless horse can see right well what? yeah but can it not really eat though because you know i don't i mean doesn't it need its teeth to grind all its food and everything yeah they well just have like yeah, I mean, essentially, they have to, like, chew their cud because it helps their stomach digestion. But there mm-hmm. there are special things. I mean, it just requires, like, more special care. Um, like, mm-hmm. it can live on special food, which I'm sure is not cheap, and special yeah, dietary right. food for its stomach since it can't chew a cud. But um, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, is there... Is there some oh, sort this of... Oh, in 1933. I forgot to say that. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The 30s, yeah. man. So, yeah, also, right? I... is there, like, a yeah. weird commodity for horse teeth? What if they traded a blind horse for a toothless horse because they were going to take the blind horse's teeth and do something with them? <gasps> like, what if they were no. teeth robbers? Oh my God, no! But what were they making with the teeth? I don't. God oh, only I don't knows. Know. I mean, a necklace. Sure. Who what knows? Were you doing? Oh my God! What, glue. Is this how it started? Where we started Is using this? glue yeah. or horses for glue? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you've given me more questions than answers. I know, absolutely, right? Like plaster of Paris, it just crumbled away. I read that and I was like, oh my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> your teeth are just like. As you're just picturing oh these, this animal's teeth yes. falling away. Okay, that would be really freaky small. though. No. You know, it's not a small set of chompers, yeah. And also, they're smart uh. enough to make a mold. I mean, if you think about it, a, a plaster mold Man. of horse. This is why I'm wondering if they were in the they? horse, like, teeth stealing business. There was, like, business. some, yeah. Oh, Lord. Lord. Hey. I don't know. That's, I hope that's shady as fuck. Yeah, I don't like that. Mm-mm. Yeah, because, yeah, you're right. They would have to know quite a bit about horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to have to Google... <laughs> Yes, like was this a commodity? Was it a precious commodity like that they traded back in the 30s? Now we want to know. Yeah. Right. All right. So mine is 
The title is called, this is from the HuffPost.com, and the title is called Seal Bursts into Home Through Pet Flap, Temporarily <laughs> Ousts Family Cat. <laughs> this happened in New Zealand. It said a bold young seal entered a marine biologist's home and spent some time on the couch before it returned to the sea. Uh, what a smart seal. Right? And I love oh how this article God. is written. This is actually just from a couple of days ago. It's August 20th. Oh, for real? Yeah, 2022. It says a oh new a New Zealand cat was not flipping happy after an <laughs> an uninvited seal entered her home through the pet flap door. Phil oh. Phil Russ of Mount Ooh, Munagani told the Guardian mm-hmm. that his family found a young fur seal inside their house Wednesday morning, exploring Aww. different rooms and lounging on the couch. Now, Ross I is... I want one. I know. The pictures are really cute. <laughs> Ross w- was is coincidentally a marine biologist, was not at home when the seal was discovered, but his wife, Jen, had left for about an hour to go to the gym and stumbled across the surprising visitor when she came back. She's probably like, oh Ross, God. not again. Um, yeah, right. What did I tell you about bringing work home? Right. <laughs> she. Uh, he said, the big joke is that this is really the only family emergency where it would have been useful to have a marine biologist in the house, <laughs> Ross told the Guardian. <laughs> I really missed my time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy was at work. <laughs> he, he blew it. So it says that it's it's not totally clear why the seal went inside, but he suspects that his cat Coco was outside and attempted to defend the home turf against, um, like against the uh, seal. And he said, "Oh my god!" Obviously, the seal wasn't as intimidated as some dogs are, so Coco must have bolted around the side of the house into the cat flap, and the seal must have followed her. <laughs> Well, how close are they to the water? Yeah, I'm thinking they must be. I mean, he's a marine biologist. Must be. They have to be like really okay. quite close. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you really think. I mean, they're not. Oh, I mean, actually, maybe young ones are it, more. It, more. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. It says that um, for the next day, she wouldn't, so the cat wouldn't go downstairs where the seal was. Okay, so the cat was like shitting itself. But he said that it's really common for young seals to end up on unusual bits of coastline at, on this time of year. He said the young oh, ones okay. are starting to get weaned. They're going out on their own. And like most teenagers, they can make bad decisions about where they end up. <laughs> So that's Thank interesting. You. Yeah, that answers that question because I was like, I mean, I'm sure he still lives pretty close to the water, you yeah. know, but still I'm he just was just. That would take like a long, I feel like it would take a while for a seal to like navigate, mm-hmm. you know, where to go. Well, and like to go yeah. through its little doggy door. Oh my right. God, that's so I mean, have you seen them on their flippers? They're not exactly sprinters. Like <laughs> I think I it definitely yeah. would have taken a little while. I wish they'd had a ring camera. And they could have, this could have been on video. Yes, I was thinking that too. Yes. You have a listener in Australia, Mm -hmm. right? Yep, yep. Yes. Okay, so the other day my husband and I were watching animals sending us home videos and they're like saying that, oh, in America, like we just have deer, but in Australia there's kangaroo to watch out for when you're driving. And this kangaroo, like, 
jumped off the side of the road and was like doing a dance in front of this car like hopping back and forth oh my god and then totally like launched on this windshield and busted this windshield holy shit you gotta ask ask your friends or you know this other listener uh how often that happens because i'd be terrified you know what jason has sent us pictures of kangaroo just chilling out like how we have deer that just chill out but have you seen those Uh, videos before of deer taking on vehicles too like some of the yeah some bucks will get (laughs) especially during the rut during their mating season Mm, they will get very aggressive and i've seen videos of them full on take on vehicles shatter windshields and whatnot so it it really is like very similar i feel like to their they have their kangaroos are nuisances just like deer can be a nuisance to us and a danger too which is why i apparently enjoy holding one of their scrotums you know (laughs) in my studio for good luck yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) this is what we do with nuisances that's hilarious well, Katie, so thank you so, so much for joining me today. It was my pleasure no, to have you. you. This was thank a lot you. of fun. and um, I know. I'm so amped about it. <laughs> and hopefully the other, just so you all know, um, we I have a Google sheet that you can sign up. If you're a Patreon, you're welcome to sign up to be a guest host. It's just one of the changes that we have here. Um, you can do that at patreon.com slash crimecurious. Feel free to follow me on social media. I do post pictures of all the cases and information. And it's it's just a fun thing. You know, interact with me. I appreciate everybody's really kind comments lately. It has really boosted my spirits and helped me get through this transition. So I swear I have the best listeners. Everybody has been so kind and supportive. So I really appreciate that. If you feel so inclined to leave a review, that would be awesome. It helps um, the platform that I go to or that I launch from um, know that people like to hear this uh, podcast. So if you feel so inclined, feel free to leave me a review as well. And until next time, everybody, I hope you keep it curious and come back for more interesting cases. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Perfect. Perfect.